In these Sundays, we've been doing a little series where I've talked about rooms and different rooms that people live in, Christians can live in. And uh, we've looked at a couple that are not good for us to live in, uh, but we've also learned about, start to think about one that would be healthy. We've used this verse as uh, kind of our guide through this. Uh, this is Paul in Philippians, a different letter. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And we thought about forgetting what is behind, and we called that the no longer room. There are things that are no longer true about us as Christians. And we should keep that door, the red one there, firmly shut and firmly locked. It is not good for Christians to be trapped as if they were still living in fear or still living in guilt, or still living in shame. What Jesus has done has been to take us out of that room, slam the door shut, and lock it. And a Christian who lives in the no longer room is going to be a Christian who lives with a hangover, if you like, from what has actually gone. On the other side, we've got the not yet room. And that's all sorts of wonderful treasures that God has in store for us for the future. We're going to be like Jesus. We're not there yet. And a Christian who lives in that room is kind of, well, maybe deluded or maybe decidedly let down as they realize what the reality of life actually is like. But we haven't slammed that door shut. We've kept it open because we're supposed to know where we're heading as Christians. As Paul says, straining towards what is ahead. We put it like this. We are no longer under the penalty of sin. We are not yet free from the presence of sin. And today, we're going to think about a third room. What I'm calling the now room. What it's like for us as Christians right now. How can we live? How should we live as Christians? And the answer is going to be this. I'll give you the headline, then you can mull it over for a bit. We are going to be daily freed from the power of sin. Free from the penalty, not yet free of the presence, but free from the power of sin by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine. The Christian life is a lifelong journey of increasing freedom and increasing fullness. The Christian life should be one of growing in love and joy and peace and all those wonderful things that were read to us just now as the fruit of the Spirit. It's really exciting. If you're just starting out the Christian life, you should know that ahead of you is a daily journey. This is what you're signing up for. If you've been a Christian for many, many years, you should know that you haven't arrived. There is more for you still to come. A wonderful day. And if you're the kind of Christian who's thinking, well, no, I've been a Christian for a while now. I've reached kind of the middle passage. I'm kind of coasting as a Christian. Then we will find there's a bit of a challenge here too. There are steps for us to take. There are decisions for us to make. There are battles to be won. There are treasures still to be found. 
You, you never stop traveling, never stop journeying as a Christian. Now let's keep our Bible open. Let's have a look at what Paul has to say to us here in uh, this, this amazing passage of Galatians. The theme is freedom. That runs like a thread as we go through this. The theme is, let me give you a bit of a backstory. of this. Galatia, that Paul was writing to, Galatia is in modern-day Turkey. And it was a bunch of people who had heard the Christian message. They're amongst the earliest Christian churches that we know here in Galatia. And they had been hearing something that the Christian message is true, but it's not all there is. There have been people going around those churches saying, it's fine to hear about Jesus' death and resurrection, that's a wonderful message. But to kind of get you to the next level of the Christian life, you need to keep the Old Testament law. Not, not all of it, they would have said, just bits of it. The food law and circumcision were the things they were, they were particularly concerned about. And they, will, they will keep you in place, they will keep you safe, and they will keep you, keep you secure. And Paul wrote Galatians, this letter, to say, no, 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 no. You can't pick and choose. If you want the law, you have to have the whole thing. You can't pick and choose it. Jesus, though, is enough. Jesus is enough to start and finish and keep you going as a Christian. Watch. The goal, he says, is to live a life of love. The, goal, the whole goal is to be loving together. That's where he begins. But things go, are going wrong. Look at verse 13. Serve one another humbly in love. That's where we're going. For the whole law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what he's setting out. That, that's where we're going. We are to be loving Christians. The problem is, verse 15, they have turned loveless. Biting, biting and devouring each other, being destroyed by each other. And that sounds like squabbles, but it's far worse, isn't it? This is painful. These are difficult rows going on in the church. And if you, if you look carefully at the reading we just had, you will see there's a theme that runs through of relationships. Now, what's going on? Someone has become a Christian in this church in, in Turkey, and two days later, they've had a major fail. They, maybe they have lied at work, something like that. How are they supposed to react to that discovery about themselves? Well, there were two answers going around that church. The first was this, you need more law. You need more self-discipline. You need more rules. You need to, to increase the controls around you to make sure you're living in a Christian life. That was one group. Have more law. And the other group was saying, no, 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 no. Jesus has died for you. You're forgiven. You're free. Forget about it. So you've lied. That's all covered by the cross. Forget about it. Those things no longer apply to you as a Christian. Now, those two views have actually they've echoed down through Christian history. The first one is one that people call legalism. And the answer is more law, all the way down the line. We heard from Mark this morning why it's so wrong. Because we can't keep it. You either end up 
being really proud because you think, ha, 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 I've done it, which is very superficial, or crushed by guilt because you realize you haven't. That's an awful place for a Christian to be. That's the no longer room, but Christians seem to be insist on doing it because they like to think that they can keep the law. And the other one is called, having no laws, it's called antinomianism. Technical term, sorry. When I go to the, I had my car service this week. When I go to the mechanic, I don't want him to say, uh, there's a knocking noise, it's coming from the debris flip. I'll have to replace that. Uh, I need a thingamajig from a what's name. I wanted to use technical words like carburetor and engine and tires. Sometimes technical words are really useful. Legalism and antinomianism, they're, they're technical terms, but they're really useful. They sum up two things, which our human hearts are pulled towards, but Paul says they're both wrong. Why are they wrong? Because they leave out the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian believer. And the Holy Spirit is at work in the now room. So here is life in the now room. Verses 16 to 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Here's what's going on. There is a, a battle, his word here is, is conflict, a fight. There are two opposing forces in the life of a Christian. You've got the Spirit, that's, that's the Holy Spirit, God living in us, God equipping us, changing us, transforming each of us, getting us ready to meet him, transforming us. And the other force at work is what is called the flesh. Now, if you know your Bible, you'll know that's not just a reference to to your body, it's to the whole of me. My body, my mind, my will, my emotions, my decisions, all of me. And the Bible story, and we heard this from when we were dealing with the children earlier on, is that we have fallen. That's our flesh. Now, the great thing is, Jesus' death with his body means that there is a promise of resurrection when I will get a new body, a new flesh, when I will be able perfectly to follow him. But not yet. Remember, we're not in the, that's not in the nut. That's, we can't live there yet. We have to live in the now room. And in the now room, we have daily conflict with two sets of desires. And you know what it's like. You start your morning with the best of intentions. You even have a little time of reading your Bible and praying. And you read this about the fruit of the Spirit being peace, and you say, God, please help me be peaceful today. And on the way to work, road rage descends like a red mist. We've got two sets of desires in us, haven't we? Going on the whole time. It sounds very familiar, and it's often pictured as something like this. Uh, there's a person in the middle, and on the one side, they've got a little daredevil. And the daredevil saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. And there's a little angel on the other shoulder saying, no, stop it. Be boring. Be safe. Just stop it, and I'll wag my finger at you. They're actually our old friends. 
legalism, keep the rules, or antinomianism. The rules are just there for other people. There are no rules. And the thing is, we all know where the party happens, don't we? We all know which one has got the fun going to it. It's very familiar. Now, I'm taking a risk showing you this picture because I'm actually going to say it's deeply wrong. Paul says it's naive it, because it's not the true picture at all of the Christian life. It sets it up, if you ever think about that picture, it sets it up with the battle outside us. I've got a little angel and a little devil. And Paul says, no, 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 no. The, poor, the battle is inside me. And it's my flesh and my desires that are the battleground. Then it sets it up equally, doesn't it? There's, there's a little devil and there's a little angel, one on each shoulder, equally balanced. And Paul says, no, 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 this is an unequal battle. Your flesh has already been defeated. You are no longer guilty. You are no longer afraid. You are no longer ashamed. The gospel has won in you. These are not equal forces for you. But he also sets it up really flatteringly, doesn't it? It says there's good and there's bad, and I'm free to choose. I can just stand back and think, yeah, there's a good option with the outcomes. There's a bad outcome with the outcomes. Which one shall I choose? I'm a sort of spiritual Switzerland, neutral. And Paul says, no, 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 friends. We are not spiritually neutral. You know, it's a very flattering picture, and it's very common. It was very common before Christianity hit the ancient world, and it's very common now as Christianity seems to recede. I was up at the Barbican the other day, and uh, had a little look around the bookshop. It, that's, <laughs> that will not be a surprise to anybody. Um, in the bookshop in the Barbican, there is a whole raft of books which are putting forwards an ancient idea called Stoicism. I'm sorry to do a little bit of philosophy for you, but it goes something like this, because it's so common. Um, just take things as they come. Don't let the ripples of life disturb you. Bad things will come, good things will come. Just stand there calmly, accept what happens, and pass it on. It's very, very common. It, sometimes it's, it's dressed up as Stoicism, sometimes it's is dressed as a, uh, as a form of Buddhism. Very common. And I think it is that the tide of Christianity came in and covered it over, the tide of Christianity is receding, and it's left it there on the beach. Very, very common idea. And Paul says, no, 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 my friends. There is no neutral place to stand. There is no spiritual Switzerland. There is the flesh, and there is the Holy Spirit, and those desires are built into us, and are... Our flesh has desires, and those desires will feel good, and they will feel natural, and they will feel authentically me. You know what happens when an MP does something disgraceful. What they always say is, um, I, I wasn't myself. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. And here is the reality for Christians. Verse 16, we still have the desires of the flesh. But verse 17, we have the Holy Spirit. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. And we've got both of those 
inside us. And the question for us as Christians is, are you siding with him? The answer to Christian discipleship is not more law. It's verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The answer is to be led by the Holy Spirit. You see, our flesh, our sinful nature, is a traitor. Our desires, which seem so natural, will pull us away from God. Does that mean you can't do good things on your own? No, of course not. People are kind and they're loving and they're charitable and all those sorts of things and they're noble. The point is, think of it like gravity. I can defy gravity very briefly. I can jump. But I can't fly. Even if I flew, I'd still be fighting gravity the whole time. My default is to be pulled down by gravity. Our default is to be pulled down by our sinful nature. You say, Chris, I thought Christianity was good news. I haven't come to hear. It is. See, our flesh is, is, is not just a traitor. It is a doomed traitor. It is a defeated traitor. The death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus means that my flesh has not won. I do not get what my flesh deserves. I get what Jesus' death and resurrection deserves. But the flesh is still active in a Christian's life. Look with me at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like and everything you can find on Twitter. You can break it up if you wish. The first three are sexual things. There's a couple to do with idolatry and worship. There's a sequence that has to do with relationships and violence. And then finally you've got some stuff on self-indulgence and self-control. But if you're thinking, this is a tick list, I'm, I've reached the bottom, I'm fine, just remember the last few words that Paul says, and the like. You can't say to yourself, oh, well, my secret gambling habit is not there. My abuse of my wife is not there. You know they are. You know they are. It's a, it's, a, it's a bottomless list. It's a bottomless list. Listen to Paul very carefully. There is a sequence. Our flesh produces desires. Our desires can produce actions, and our actions produce sin. That is the gravitational pull of our flesh. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. First is this, Paul is talking to and about professing Christians. This is not an out there, look at them, finger wagging kind of exercise. He's writing about us, church. And second, he is giving us a solemn warning. Here's the final reason I don't like that picture. It's, um, it's trivial. There's a little devil, and there's a little angel, and there's a cool dude in the middle. It's trivial. What's at stake? What's the harm? 
Verse 21, Paul says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are eternal issues at stake, says Paul, for a Christian, for a Christian who lives like this. There's a risk that heaven's door will be slammed shut. And let's be careful. Paul is not trying to destabilize a normal Christian life. Every Christian sins. That's why we confess our sins. The Lord's Prayer confess us our, uh, we confess our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. Been there in the catechism all the way through. We know that we break God's law. But this person here that Paul is describing is defiantly going against God. Consistently. Hear Paul's message? I warn you as I warned you before. Here's a Christian who knows that a behavior is wrong, but still orders their life around it, arranges to do it, plans to do it, lets themselves off the hook for doing it. In the battle between the Holy Spirit and the flesh, this Christian knowingly slides with the flesh. And, and Paul says this is spiritually deadly. The Bible calls it sinning with a high hand, deciding that God has got it wrong. And Paul says, friends, this can cost us our salvation. So what's the answer? If more law is not the answer, because that ends us up in the no longer room, and we end up guilty and ashamed and living life in a horrible way, and if saying there's no laws isn't a solution, because then we run this, this risk, what is the answer? And Paul says the answer is the work of the Holy Spirit in each and every Christian. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Fruit is slow. It's the growing of change in a Christian life. You see, and bearing in mind what's going on in Galatia, there's a particular spin here towards relationships. And the thing is, that what the Holy Spirit does in growing these fruit within us is that these fruit replace our desires with new ones. Slowly, inch by inch, over a lifetime. You can't change, he can change. Our role in this is to agree with him. To pray with him to examine ourselves, to confess. And when we fail, confess and ask again. You see, the reason why I got really quite agitated up in the Barbican with the idea of a spiritual Switzerland and everyone being neutral is that it's so passive, so undisturbed, so calm. There's no... Well, look, here's the Christian life filled with the fruit of love, filled with joy, 
filled with peace, filled with patience, not calm and empty and undisturbed, but full-on passionate with wanting to know God. That's the goal. So says Paul, here's the plan. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says, remember your decision to follow Christ. Your desires, your passions were part of that. You didn't just dislike. You decided you crucified your desires, your passions. You nailed them to the cross. What you do now, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Daily walking. I, I love this picture of keeping in step with the Spirit. Imagine a child walking along with a parent, playing a little game. The child isn't setting the pace, the parent's setting the pace. The kid's not on their own, they've got a parent with them holding their hand. And then the child starts to play the game of matching the parent's footsteps, walking along with, that's what we do. We echo the Holy Spirit's work. We, we long for his values. We, we follow what he's doing. We watch what he's doing. We walk in time with the Holy Spirit. And these things that are the fruit of the Spirit grow in our life and daily with our kids, with our colleagues, with our spouses, with our singleness, we say, Holy Spirit, fill me, flood me, help these fruit to grow in me and replace the desires of my flesh with the desires of the Spirit. Keep in step. And as you keep in step, this fruit will grow. He will replace the desires of your flesh with his desires. Not fully, not yet, but daily till we get home. Let's be quiet as we say. Have a think about what we've seen this morning. Maybe as we've read this part about acts of the flesh, we felt awkward. We felt exposed. Maybe we want to argue with God that it's not that serious after all. Maybe as we've read about the fruit of the Spirit, we've seen areas where we need to grow. The people look at us and they don't see us as filled with love or joy or peace or gentleness. Maybe as we've thought about keeping in step with the Spirit, feels a strange, alien idea for us because we just want to keep rules. Holy Spirit, 
We pray that this morning you will come among us, move among us, and fill us. But we ask this not for the sake of a, of a temporary experience, but the sake of a lifelong living by you and your power and your plans. Please would you help us to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires. And please would you grow in us your fruit of love and joy, of peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And please would you help us as we leave here today to live by you and keep in step with you. Amen.